Hey everybody, welcome into a brand new episode of Locked On Nittany Lions, a part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day, and we are talking some Penn State sports once again on today's episode. Today is Monday, uh, April 27th, 2020, I had to look at the calendar, but I am your host Kevin McGuire, and of course we're going to be recapping all the stuff that went down over the weekend with the NFL Draft to see where some of the Penn Staters went, and of course those all-important undrafted free agent signings that happened shortly after the draft concluded on Saturday afternoon. And we're also going to take a final look at the 2020 schedule analysis for the Penn State Nittany Lions for this upcoming season. So a lot of stuff to get into in today's episode. Want to make sure you never miss a single episode by subscribing on your favorite podcasting platforms such as iTunes and Spotify, Stitcher Radio, iHeartRadio, whatever you use to listen to podcasts, we are available on. And I want to make sure in addition to subscribing that you take a free minute of your time whenever you got a chance and leave a rating, leave a review. It really does help us out in the long term as we try to continue to grow this show. Of course, we also want you to be a part of the podcast at any time by sending us your questions and your comments at any time. We'll check them before we hit record. And the best way to do that is to follow us on Twitter and communicate with us on Twitter at Locked on Nittany. Don't forget to give our Facebook page a thumbs up on Facebook.com slash Locked on Nittany. And of course, follow us on Instagram at Locked on Nittany. So without any further ado, let's go ahead and get today's episode underway. So there was no episode of the Locked On Nittany Lions podcast on Friday. I apologize for that, but I got to say my work schedule at the end of the week was crazy busy uh, from the day job, uh, full-time job, and coming home and basically going right into work for the second job, uh, covering some college football headlines for NBCSports.com on College Football Talk. And of course, the NFL draft started Thursday. So there was not a lot of time for me to put together an episode for you guys on Friday. But don't worry, uh, the schedule should be opening up a little bit beginning this week, and we're going to make sure we we stick to that three episode uh, per week schedule and I will put together a little bit of a clip show uh, taking some of those segments from our uh, saying nice things about Big Ten teams uh, series that we had going on I do still need to put one together uh, compiling all the nice things we said about teams around the Big Ten East division remember we had an episode that had all the clips from the Big Ten West conversations I'm still going to do that for the East and I think I'm going to be able to throw that together for you guys this week kind of as a bonus episode to be thrown into the mix so we will have our three regularly scheduled episodes this week beginning with today's episode Monday we'll have another episode on Wednesday and of course another one on Friday and then I'll throw in that bonus episode somewhere along the way I don't know exactly when it's going to be thrown together it could potentially still be put out there on the weekend so just keep an eye out for that I will have that for you guys I haven't forgotten about it just a matter of getting the time to go ahead and uh, edit it all together so that will be coming for you guys later this week as well but like I said, uh, the NFL draft was last week. It started Thursday night with the first round uh, taking place from all various remote locations as coaches and general managers were forced to stay at home due to the ongoing coronavirus outbreak and how it has basically affected every aspect of the sporting world. The NFL draft was still able to go off and it didn't look like there were any real technical issues that I think some people were concerned about. If there were, I didn't watch every round of the draft, so I don't know if there were any hiccups along the way. But for what I saw, it ran pretty smoothly and I watched all of the first round. I watched all the second and third rounds uh, with the various uh, steps in, stepping away from the computer screen as I was covering it uh, for NBCSports.com last week. Uh, I didn't notice any real technical issues that I think a lot of people were wondering about. Now, of course, as far as Penn State is concerned, there were no players taken in the first round. And 
we had talked about this before. Uh, Yedder Grossmatos was probably the most likely player to be chosen in the first round, if anybody. Uh, and he was expected to go late first round if he did go in the first round. And usually when you're talking about those mock drafts and the way that the, the end of the first round typically ends up, it's kind of a little bit of a crapshoot because you don't really know exactly what some of the team needs will be later on in the round. And you don't know uh, an earlier pick may drastically impact what a team does with their draft selection coming up after that. So uh, a lot of audibles are called sometimes. So it wasn't a given that Yoda Gross-Mattis was going to be taken in the first round. But if he wasn't taken in the first round, he was expected to go relatively early in the second round. And that's exactly what happened. He went with the 38th overall pick to the Carolina Panthers, who, of course, are coached now by former Penn Stater Matt Rule. Of course, now the, the former Temple head coach, the former Baylor head coach, and now he is the head coach of the Carolina Panthers. And I got to say, I'm really excited about the future of Matt Rule and the Carolina Panthers. They're obviously going back to basics right now, beginning this season. And with this draft, you'll notice the Carolina Panthers took a lot of defensive players. Uh, so there is a definite emphasis from Matt Rule to improve that defensive front and that defensive effort that they're going to have uh, going forward as they try to rebuild and become a team which, if you look at that NFC South division, is getting pretty loaded with some offensive talent down there, especially with Tom Brady and Rob Gronkowski going down to the Tampa Bay Buccaneers. Of course, you know those wide receivers that the Atlanta Falcons have. Uh, the New Orleans Saints are always a dangerous threat, too, especially if Drew Brees continues to be playing. But uh, bottom line is the Carolina Panthers are going to focus on defense, and Yoder Gross-Matos looks like he could play an integral role on that defensive line in the future of that uh, rebuilding process. So very excited to see what Matt Rule has in store for him, and I do think that that Carolina defense is going to be something fierce to watch in the years to come. So we'll see how Yoder Gross-Matos feels fills in and or sorry fits in with, with that organization moving forward but a very good spot for him to go to especially with Matt Rule and his uh, emphasis on defensive uh, side and uh, attacking the football it should be a very good situation for Gross Meadows uh, with the Carolina Panthers Later in the second round, wide receiver K.J. Hamler, another guy that I don't think was expected to go in the first round. I think a lot of people expected that he would be a second-round selection. He, he fits right in there at the 46th overall pick to the Denver Broncos, which is going to be really fascinating because in the first round, the Denver Broncos took Jerry Judy out of Alabama. Uh, so you see top two picks that the Denver Broncos have. They're giving their uh, quarterback some weapons to work with there. So a uh, very speedy receiving combo that the Denver Broncos are moving forward with, with Jerry Judy and KJ Hamler. That could be a really fun offensive uh, uh, pass game that the Denver Broncos are going to have. And of course, uh, there's a lot of reaction to the team that just wins the Super Bowl. So when a team wins a Super Bowl within your division, with the kind of offense that the Kansas City Chiefs had, it doesn't take a rocket scientist to figure out that the Denver Broncos, with John Elway as a general manager, uh, they're going to try and get that offense catching up to whatever the Chiefs are able to do. So there's a lot of reacting to the latest uh, Super Bowl champion within that division, You know, even the Las Vegas Raiders, uh, which we'll get to a little bit later. Uh, it's going to be very interesting to see what they do with John Gruden. But yeah, KJ Hamler going to Denver, that, that seems like a pretty good spot. Now, of course, I, I still have questions about their quarterback position with Drew Locke, but they're certainly giving their quarterback some passing options uh, with some various uh, amounts of speed uh, because Jerry Judy and KJ Hamler is going to be one speedy combo. So I very much look forward to seeing what that's going to look like in the years to come. Again, I don't know about the quarterback situation. I still think you have to have the quarterback uh, right to be able to get those speedy receivers a chance to show off what they can do. 
but we know what KJ Hamler can do. And if you've watched Alabama football, you know what Jerry Judy can do. So that's going to be a very fun receiving combo. I hopefully for years to come with the Denver Broncos. So I think KJ Hamler and I think Yoder uh, Grossmeadows are going to pre- some pretty good situations with that second round pick. And uh, that's going to be a lot of fun to watch. Coming up in our next segment, we'll take a look at the rest of the NFL draft, take a look at some of the other Penn Staters that were drafted by NFL teams in rounds four through seven on Saturday. And of course, we'll also touch on the undrafted free agent signings that are quickly following up the, the NFL draft. We'll try to keep up as much of that as possible. Are you following us on Twitter yet? If not, now's a great time to do so. So go to Twitter and log on and follow us at Locked On Nittany. Send us your questions and comments at any time. We'll throw them into the show as we go ahead and record the next episode. The NFL draft wrapped things up on Saturday with rounds four through seven going through the process. And those rounds typically tend to fly by very quickly. So it can be pretty difficult to stay on top of every pick as it's being made because of the nature of how the the draft accelerates as it moves forward. There's a lot of time in between the first picks in the first couple of rounds. Things uh, slow down a little bit in those earlier rounds due to teams potentially making some trades and last-minute offers. But once you get into the the middle of the draft and you go out and finish things off, things happen really quickly. But it did not happen quickly without a couple more Penn State players being drafted. There were three additional players drafted in the later rounds between rounds four and seven. Penn State cornerback John Reed going fourth round, 141st overall to Bill O'Brien and the Houston Texans. Linebacker Cam Brown was a sixth round selection, 183rd overall of the New York Giants, so he'll be reunited with Saquon Barkley. And of course, defensive lineman Robert Windsor also went in the sixth round a little bit later. He was 193rd overall to the Indianapolis Colts. They were all selected on Saturday. So in all, Penn State had five players drafted in this year's draft two of which were in that second round, and then, of course, in that fourth and a couple more in the sixth rounds. Penn State now has a total of 361 Penn State players that have been drafted all-time in the NFL draft, and as it currently stands, that is seventh most amongst all Division I institutions. Also of note, courtesy of the Penn State Sports Information Department that has put this information out there, this is the third year in a row that Penn State has had at least five draft picks. And the last time that happened at Penn State with three consecutive years of five or more draft picks was that span between 1991 and 1993. So that's pretty impressive. It actually took me a little bit by surprise when I first saw that because you figure... With all the talented players that have come through Penn State, even during some of those leaner years, it's kind of uh, surprising that they didn't have that kind of a run for three years where they had five players drafted. There were a lot of good players that have come through at Penn State during that course of time. And of course, if you look at that, that 1991 to 1993, that's right when Penn State joined the Big Ten. So this is the first time since Penn State has been in the Big Ten where they have had three consecutive years with five or more players drafted in the NFL draft. So I got to say, once again, that is a nice little testament to the work that James Franklin and his staff continue to do at Penn State. They have rebuilt the foundation, I think, for Penn State's success as far as developing talent. And remember a few years ago back when uh, Matt Miller of Bleacher Report, I hate to single him out because I do feel like he regrets saying this so often, but uh, he put out the tweet suggesting that if you were a position player, there's no way you would go to or advise somebody to go to Penn State. Now, a lot of that had to do with the lack of development for former quarterback Christian Hackenberg uh, becoming a little bit of a disappointment. But you you look at the names that Penn State has ended up sending to the NFL, both through the draft and some of these undrafted free agents that are landing. 
elsewhere, which we're going to get to in just a second. Uh, and I think it's, uh, it's just another strong argument to suggest that you know, James Franklin does know what he's doing in terms of developing talent. Now, you look at some of the other schools that are out there that puts out all, all these drafted players year in and year out. Obviously, Ohio State had another big year and playing in the same division, it kind of, uh, you know, a lot of that production that Penn State is doing is going to be in the shadows of what Ohio State is doing. So you're working to try and emerge from those shadows on a more national landscape to get that national recognition. But this is a building step. This is a process and this is another step forward for what James Franklin and his staff are doing. They're obviously winning a lot of football games and they're now sending a good amount of talent off to the NFL. Not every team out there, not every school out there is going to have five players drafted in an NFL draft. I know there's so many picks out there and you get carried away with what LSU and Alabama do and you see the number of players that come out of programs like Ohio State and uh, you got to remember, you know, James Franklin has had some rebuilding to do <laughs> coming out of uh, the sanctions that this program was in when he came in. And in the time he's been there, obviously, the years are going by. The years are quickly adding up for James Franklin. But uh, the foundation is there for being able to sell a program that can develop, bring in talent, develop that talent, and send it off and have a successful NFL career. Now, obviously, we don't know what the careers will be for a lot of these players. And obviously, we get you know, it's easy to get, uh, get fascinated with what Saquon Barkley is doing. But take a look at some of the other players that are out there as well. They're all contributing on a high degree uh, or and getting to be on a higher degree as they move forward in their various NFL careers. So we'll see where the draft these from Penn State this year end up going as far as their careers are concerned. But some good situations for a lot of these players to be in. And of course, a congratulations to everybody who heard their name drafted. Now, of course, the NFL draft process is just one part of it. Uh, the other key ingredient is those undrafted free agents. So a lot of these players may not end up being uh, household names, but uh, there is a value to a lot of undrafted free agents. So there's opportunities to really build yourself up and get the chance to get into an NFL camp and you know, contribute. And a lot of these players that sign these undrafted free agents, they may not end up being on the team. Maybe they'll get cut, but maybe they'll uh, work on a little bit and they'll be get an opportunity with another team that has a roster need to fill. That's what happens with a lot of undrafted free agents. But of course, once the draft concludes, that's when the undrafted free agencies uh, start happening. And we saw a handful of players from Penn State get a chance to sign those undrafted free agent contracts. As of the time of this recording, these are the players that have signed those undrafted free agent contracts as confirmed by Penn State. And again, there may be more since I recorded this because a lot of the times uh, the rest of the weekend will fill up with some of these undrafted free agents. Some of them may even linger over into Monday, maybe even Tuesday. But as far as Penn State has announced, we've seen offensive lineman Steven Gonzalez, who I thought had a chance to be drafted. Uh, he has signed a contract with the Arizona Cardinals. Uh, Nick Bowers is going to be heading to those Las Vegas Raiders, which is going to be pretty interesting because I uh, look to see what the Raiders have been doing with John Gruden as the head coach and uh, Marcus Mariota coming in as their quarterback potentially uh, this is going to be a pretty fun team and again it goes back to what I was saying about the Denver Broncos uh, they play in the same division as those Kansas City Chiefs so uh, improving the offensive side of the football is certainly going to be something that the Raiders try to do so we'll see how Nick Bowers fits into that I think he's got a chance to to really develop a role with those Raiders so it should be a pretty good landing spot for him and of course it's in Las Vegas so that should be pretty cool uh, we saw Gary Taylor is going to be heading to the Buffalo Bills, so another team that's going to be a pretty team, fun team to watch as they continue to try and be the team to beat now in that AFC East division. Uh, feels like the uh, division is a little bit more wide open, and the Bills certainly had a pretty good year last year. So um, I was intrigued by some of the choices that the Bills made this office or this NFL draft, but. 
Garrett Taylor going there. He's going to have a chance to uh, find himself a role with a team that's got a chance to win the AFC East division as soon as this drill. Uh, going back to those Houston Texans, they picked up another Penn Stater, Jan Johnson, going to the Houston Texans. He is signed with an undrafted free agent, so he's got a chance to go play for Bill O'Brien and uh, see what he can do there to impress the old former Penn State football coach as well. We also saw Blake Gilligan get a chance to sign a contract with the New Orleans Saints, which is always a good landing spot, I think, for a lot of NFL prospects. So very much intrigued to see how he fits into the special teams game for the Saints moving forward. And Dan Chisnia is going off to the Minnesota Vikings as an undrafted free agent. Now, those are all of the signings, I believe, as of the time I'm recording this. Again, there may be a couple more out there. I'm not sure. But we've seen that a good handful of Penn Staters have landed uh, some NFL contracts on their way if they haven't signed them officially already. Obviously, the undrafted free agents uh, have already signed their contracts, but uh, those draft picks could take a little bit longer because you got to go through the negotiation phase, and there's a lot of uh, there's a lot of sports agency that goes along with being a draft pick. But uh, very excited to see where a lot of these players have landed and to see how their careers uh, continue moving forward. And again, it goes back to saying what I said earlier about James Franklin. The number of players that have been drafted this year and in the last couple of years and seeing some of these players that have developed at the next level is just a testament to the kind of program that James Franklin has established Penn State to be. Now, Penn State's always been a pretty good cog in the NFL production wheelhouse, but to kind of redeem itself a little bit to the level that they are right now is just a testament to saying that you know James Franklin knows what he's doing here with this program. So it's in good hands. And now they're sending all players to blossom at the next level. So it's going to be very fun to watch a lot of these players moving forward. Let me know what you think about some of these draft picks. Do you think these are good landing spots? And any other undrafted free agents that you could see out there? Again, I haven't been keeping tabs entirely on the undrafted free agent signing list. But let me know who you think is going to be a breakout star in the making and maybe catches a lot of people by surprise. And you know, maybe there's an undrafted free agent that you think should have been drafted. Let me know what you think by following us on Twitter at LockedOnNittany and send us your comments at any time. Real quick, guys, I want to tell you about Postmates. Now, if you're like me, you're using these times to not only support your favorite local restaurants, but maybe you're finding some new ones along the way. I know that's what I've been doing. I've been trying to support as many takeout places as I possibly can in my community, and I have even found a couple new ones that I haven't explored before uh, until just now. So this is a great opportunity to support some of those local restaurants and help keep them afloat during these trying times. But if you don't want to go through the whole takeout process yourself, there's an answer for that. It's the Postmates app. All you got to do is go into your iOS or Android store and download the Postmates app. You can find your favorite restaurants and get anything you want delivered within the hour. Now, they don't just deliver burgers and sushi. They'll also go to a grocery store or a convenience mart and pick up some of those meals and they'll deliver it right to you outside your door with non-contact delivery. For a limited time, Postmates is giving our listeners $100 of free delivery credit for the first seven days. That's great for this coming week if you haven't already. So you can start your free deliveries, download the app, and use the code LOCKEDON. That's code LOCKEDON for $100 of free delivery credit for your first seven days when you download the Postmates app. Anything you need, anytime you need it, Postmate it. We didn't get a chance to finish this series up last week because there was no podcast last Friday. So we're going to do it now. And what we're doing is breaking down the 2020 Penn State football schedule into three sections. In part one last Monday, we took a look at the first four games of the season. 
Last week on Wednesday, in part two, we took a look at that middle section of the season, which is going to be very challenging for the Nittany Lions. And it could make or break not only their Big Ten title hopes, but maybe even potentially college football player hopes as well. And as I alluded to in last week's uh, part two segment, the last month of the season is pretty favorable as far as Penn State is concerned, but that doesn't mean it is a cakewalk because it is going to start off with a very long road trip against a team that could potentially be a spoiler this upcoming season. Penn State in week seven on November 7th, my birthday, by the way, is going to head to Nebraska to take on the Cornhuskers. Now, Scott Frost in Nebraska, they have a lot of optimism for their program moving forward. But the last couple of years haven't exactly gone as I think a lot of Nebraska fans were hoping it would. Maybe the rebuilding process is a little bit more lengthy than a lot of people anticipated when Scott Frost was hired away from UCF. Remember, Scott Frost turned UCF into a national championship contender, depending on who you want to ask. But they certainly ran through their regular season a few years back, went undefeated, won their bowl game, and staked a claim at a national championship under Scott Frost. Now, uh, Scott Frost going back to Nebraska seems like a perfect fit, and I do think that it's going to lead to some success in the years to come. And I think that that's going to start being the case this season. I think Nebraska is going to be much more of a viable threat in that Big Ten West division than a lot of people have been kind of giving them credit for. I think this is going to be a step forward for Nebraska this year. So a chance to go out and, and host Penn State on November 7th, play possible spoiler, I think is a huge opportunity for a program like Nebraska. And it seems kind of weird that a program like Nebraska is looking to make a statement win uh, in Big Ten play against Penn State. But I think that that legitimately could be the case. I think that that could be one of the games that's circled for Nebraska this year. And I think that that very well could be a dangerous spot for Penn State to be in. Remember, Penn State's October is going to be very challenging. That's going to be when they go to Michigan and they uh, take on Ohio State and get throw in Ohio, Iowa at the same time there. And that's a challenging schedule. And then, of course, they're going to be on the road for a second straight week because they'll be coming off their road game at Indiana, which I think could be a dangerous spot as well. So now going out to Nebraska, which is all the way on the far end of the Big Ten uh, map right now, it's not the easiest road trip to make. So I think that Nebraska game could be a very difficult spot for Penn State to be in. Even though I think I fully think that Penn State's going to be the better team this year, going on the road to Nebraska, a team that I think is going to take some steps forward this year uh, and maybe make a little bit more of a run for a potential Big Ten West Division crown, I think that's a dangerous spot for Penn State to be in. I do not think that that's going to be an easy game at all. But I do think that things are going to end on a very positive note for Penn State because after that road trip to Indiana, followed by the road trip to Nebraska, Penn State will come home for their final two home games of the season. The first one will be on November 14th against the Michigan State Spartans. Now, Mel Tucker is the new head coach of the Spartans after the retirement of Mark D'Antonio late this offseason. Mel Tucker's coming over from Colorado. He's a former SEC uh, defensive coordinator at Georgia under Kirby Smart. And I think that Mel Tucker is a pretty good fit for Michigan State, I think, as far as mentality is concerned. I still have only very limited experience seeing him as the head coach, and that was one season at Colorado. So I don't really know what to make of him as far as a head coach for Michigan State just this year. Uh, But Michigan State's going to be – Michigan State could be – one of those rough teams this upcoming season. I don't think this is going to be a real smooth season for the Spartans. Again, I I think the talent gap is significant enough where Michigan State is going to struggle. I do think that they're going to put up a traditional fight like they usually do. I just don't know if they'll have enough uh, talent to overcome some of their deficiencies 
when they go into a road game atmosphere against Penn State. So I think that this is a team that is certainly going to be in transition and we'll see uh, I think defensively I think that they'll be okay uh, offensively I still have some serious concerns about Michigan State so that's why I feel like Penn State will certainly be in a very favorable position when they come home for this game on November 14th uh, against Michigan State I think that that's going to be a good spot for Penn State to be in after a couple of tricky spots on the road so uh, I think Michigan State uh, you know certainly if they stay healthy they're going to be much more of a uh, a hurdle, but I think it's one that Penn State will still be able to clear, regardless of the situation. I think Penn State wins that game uh, as I sit here on April 26th when I'm recording this episode. And that's going to be followed up the next week, November 21st, with Senior Day. I would assume it's going to be Senior Day. The final home game of the season for Penn State. It's going to be against the Maryland Terrapins. Now, Mike Loxley and Maryland, they're, they're rebuilding. And I think that this is still a program that's going to be very or short enough on some of the talent that they're going to need to win a game like this. You know, obviously Penn State has had a very lopsided advantage against Maryland the last few years. I don't think that that necessarily changes this year. I do think that Maryland improves, but I think that there's still such a wide gap in overall talent that Penn State should have an advantage here and not have to worry about this one too much, especially late in the season. You know, Maryland has a tendency to be a little banged up, and at the end of the year, who knows where Maryland's status will be on the bowl radar. I think that they're very potentially going to be uh, in the mix for a bowl game with that bare minimum, so they could need this game. But I don't think that this is a Maryland team that's going to come into uh, Beaver Stadium in the last game of the regular season, or last home game of the regular season for the Nittany Lions and score a wild upset. I don't think that that's the case this upcoming season. And again, Penn State could still have a lot riding on the outcome of their final games. Uh, so I don't think that this is a game that Penn State worries about too much. I don't want to take Maryland lightly, but I do think that this is a game that very clearly favors the Nittany Lions given the situation, given the point of the season. I, I think that there's no way that Penn State would lose this game at home against Maryland. I also don't think that there's any way that they lose their final game of the regular season, which will be played on November 28th in Piscataway, New Jersey, against Greg Schiano and the Rutgers Scarlet Knights. Now, I like Greg Schiano as a Rutgers head coach, and I think that he's going to do some things to improve this program moving forward. But there's a lot of ground to make up, and now he's making some waves early on in recruiting, and that's great to see. But you know, I don't think that that's enough reason to suggest that Rutgers comes out and scores a wild upset here against Penn State. Now, we all know what happened in the regular season finale last year. Rutgers gave Penn State a pretty good scare. Now, Penn State was playing with some backup players in some key spots. They were certainly banged up, and they were coming off that game against Ohio State. So it wasn't a... It wasn't a great spot for Penn State, but playing at home, you obviously expected a lot more out of Penn State in that game uh, against Rutgers. And, and maybe that's why Penn State fell into the Cotton Bowl. I don't know. We can play what if all you want. But the bottom line here is let's move forward into this upcoming season. Greg Schiano is certainly hitting the recruiting trail as hard as you can right now has regenerated some interest in Rutgers football, but again, still early in the recruiting cycle, relatively speaking, but uh, he is certainly having a, a quick impact on where Rutgers is going as far as laying their foundation. Now that's, that's great for Rutgers, but it's not enough to make amends for, or, or make up for where they are as a program. Now, there's still a lot of talent. Now they are bringing in a lot of players to the transfer portal, which is good. You can get some, uh, bodies to fill some big holes right now. It's not going to be enough though. And I think going back to uh, what I was saying, uh, the, the situation that Penn state could potentially be in at the end of the year, once again, potentially in the mix for a new year six bowl game. 
if not more, uh, I certainly feel like there's a game. This is a game that they're going to have to win and they may have to show a couple of style points along the way just in case. And I don't think uh, last year's game will be taken lightly. I think that that will be a nice reminder of just how tough that they have to be in this game. Because you know that Craig Schiano, if there's one thing that he wants to do this year, it's uh, make a little bit of a statement. And what better way for Rutgers to end the year? You know, They may only win a couple of games, but if one of those games happens to be against Penn State in the last game of the regular season on Rutgers' home field, uh, that's certainly a way to end the year for Rutgers, and that will probably be their last game of the year. But I, again, I don't see that happening, but yeah, that's a scenario you have to at least keep in mind when you're discussing this game so early on. So again, I, I think Penn State certainly finds ways to end the season with some big wins as far as a uh, score differential is concerned. I'm not saying that these are going to be signature wins by any stretch of the imagination, but uh, ending the year with wins against Michigan State, Maryland, and Rutgers, you would think would keep them on the radar for uh, some potential big games uh, in the postseason. So I think Penn State is in line for another pretty good year. I think this is a 10-win schedule. Uh, if things go well, and I think it's 11 games, if things go really well, 12 game, 12 wins is probably a stretch if we're being honest, because, uh, you know, even though they get Ohio state at home road games to Michigan, Nebraska, and even Virginia tech, I don't think are going to be easy matchups at all for Penn state. So, and then again, a home game against Iowa, not to be overlooked. And I, I just said, you know, Michigan state, I don't think is going to be the easiest of games. So there are some challenges here for Penn State in the 2020 season. I do think it's a 10-win season, though. The way I look at it right now, I think that there are 10 games to be won here. I think you could make a case for 11 if things go really well, but uh, I see a 10-win season, and I think that that puts them in the mix for a New Year's Six Bowl game. Maybe falls a little shy, but I do think that Penn State and their bowl destination is going to be a pretty decent situation to be in at the end of the year. Maybe Citrus Bowl, uh, if you're talking about the next tier gown from the New Year's Six, but I think Penn State's in a pretty good spot, I think, as far as the 2020 season is concerned. So let me know right now, as you're sitting here at the end of April, you look at the schedule. What do you think are the biggest tricks and uh, traps along the way? Which games do you think are the toss-ups? Which game, How many wins do you think Penn State has as we're sitting here? Again, we'll take a look at this a little bit more deeper once we get closer to the start of the season. But as I'm sitting here right now, I'm seeing 10 wins on Penn State's schedule. Uh, again, I think the loss to Ohio State is uh, the most likely one. And I think that they do lose like one of those road games. I think the Michigan game is probably the one I would circle them first. Virginia Tech, I don't think it's going to be easy. And that Nebraska game, I think it's going to be a little bit of a concern. So that's what I think about the 2020 season. I did write this all up for Athlon Sports. I'll make sure to share that link with you guys as well. So if you want to check it out again. And, of course, you can go back and listen to last week's episodes with part one and part two. And maybe I'll combine them all into a single episode, a little, another little bonus episode for you guys as well. And that's going to do it for this episode of Locked on Nittany Lions. Thank you so much for tuning in and listening to what I had to say about Penn State and the NFL draft and finishing up our schedule analysis. If you enjoyed this episode, I hope you will consider subscribing if you have not already on your favorite podcasting app, such as iTunes and Spotify. You can leave a rating and leave a review. It'll help us out a whole lot more in the grand scheme of things as we continue to try and grow this podcast and make it something that you guys want to come back to and share with your friends and family as well. Don't forget, you can follow us on Twitter at LockedOnNittany, like us on Facebook at Facebook.com slash LockedOnNittany, and give us a follow on Instagram, Instagram.com slash, you guessed it, LockedOnNittany. 
I'm Kevin McGuire. You can follow my college football coverage over on athlonsports.com. I have this whole schedule analysis out there for you, and I'll have some other things coming up along the way as well. I will share them with you. Got some news and updates as I move forward with my off-season content creation. So make sure you follow me on Twitter at KevinOnCFB, and I'll talk to you there as well. Before I go, make sure you check out the Locked On Big Ten podcast right here on the Locked On Podcast Network, covering all aspects of the Big Ten and a lot of conversation, I'm sure, to come following the NFL draft with the Big Ten sending as many players off to NFL teams as they ended up doing. Once again, thank you so much for listening. Go one and out today. Have a great start to your week. Let's get things started on the right foot, and we'll talk to you again on Wednesday. Talk to you later, guys.